teaching on miracles, and I want to talk to you about the miracle life of faith and patience. And I'm, I'm going to talk to you about the one-two punch. Faith is sort of, you know, like gets results, but so does patience. Yes, and I was in a Starbucks, and uh, they took all the tables out, and everybody's masked up, and I was uh, on a mission to get a specific coffee for my wife, and and there was a lady at the front there, and then there were eight, there were five baristas behind the counter, and um, then there was a lady in front of me, and so we had it had stickers on the floor. You're doing it wrong. You're too close to the person next to you, kind of a thing. So it's like okay, uh, uh, and and then uh, you know everybody. There are all these people trying to help this lady with her card. She kept changing her her uh, order, and. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was starting to get kind of crazy. It got up into like the 18, uh, like 18 seconds, and then a minute and a half, and then when it got to the two minute mark, then like the people, the lady and and me in line, our, our patience was tested. When it got to two minutes, that was just ridiculous. How many of you think two minutes in line? That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the lady, she, she, was, she was doing body language in front of me. You know, she turned around and looked at me. Finally, to try to recruit me as an ally, she was like, huffing, <laughs> you know, and her mask is going, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and I, I was smiling with mine, you know. She was, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, uh, this is patience development. And I said, none of us like it, but we all need it. And then, so we finally got through line, and she made the point. Like the other lady, I think she ordered special beans from Costa Rica. She was waiting for them to be flown in. She was ordering up when they should be roasted. It was, should not be a, 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 I guess they blew it and made it a French roast. No, you, I wanted it to be a light roast, a blonde roast. So they were roasting it, and then they re-roasted it. They came back in. They came in. Juan Valdez came in with his donkey, with the bags and his hat, said, ma'am, I am so sorry we over-roasted So then finally... Finally, she got her coffee. So my, the, my lady and I, the, she, I just was getting a cup of coffee from my wife. She went up and went, I just want a plain coffee. And I just thought, that lady is awesome. You know, it's like she's making her point. Said it where that lady could hear it. The lady wasn't paying any attention. And um, so then we went over to wait for our drinks. You know, we were standing there socially distanced and all that stuff. And, uh, and uh, I said to her, yeah, this, this uh, patience thing is it's challenging. She goes, yeah. And then I said, uh, I think people feel that way behind me when I'm at the ATM and they're, they're thinking that I'm probably refinancing my house at some point <laughs> while the time, the amount of time I take on the ATM, you know. So I want to talk to you about patience. Patience is uh, virtue. Patience is uh, the ability to endure things, to show the capacity for endurance. It's to uh, deal with things without uh, losing your cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's better than being impulsive. And I want to go to a scripture uh, that is really strong. Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 9 through to, uh, let's see, verse uh, 15. Hebrews 6. 9 through 15, pay particular attention to verse 12, but Paul is preaching and he's saying, but, but beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you, 
Now, this is Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews. I don't know whether it's Paul or Apollos. We don't, no, no, nobody knows their theories. But the Holy Spirit inspired it. And we know for sure it was written to the Jewish believers that were scattered abroad. And he said, uh, you got to get on track in the first eight verses. And then he said, I, in fact, we are convinced of better things concerning you. So this is assurance from the writer of Hebrews. Like, we, we're, we're positive about you. We have expectation. Better, we believe we're convinced of better things for you, that you're not going to blow it. The things that accompany salvation, uh, though we are speaking in this way. Then he said in verse 10, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Aren't you glad God pays and focused attention and love toward our work and our efforts and they matter to him? And verse 11, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Now the hand of the diligent shall rule. And God's called us to uh, a life of diligence. Hebrews, or Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 11 says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So God wants us to do our work heartily unto the Lord. He wants us to be white hot for Jesus. And he wants us to be servant oriented, be, a ser- be servant leaders and be all about, we, I think America needs a, a revival in the culture of servanthood. And it's going to only start in the church. It's, it's drifted quite a bit over the last few years. And we've got, a, we've got an opportunity to model servanthood. And the greatest in the kingdom, as you know, is a servant. You, you, we're, to, we're to outdo one another in showing honor and try to figure out how to serve each other. If we figure that out, it'll be a good thing. So he then says in verse 12, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Paul also said in, in another epistle, Ephesians chapter 5, that as dearly beloved children, we're to be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. Now, imitation can have a bad side where people are just copiers. We're, we're seeing in today's world uh, I, uh, identity theft and, and more specifically um, intellectual property theft. We're seeing a lot of copycat stuff and it's kind of, it inflames the creative people because you're, you're originating and birthing something new. And so sometimes imitation, some people say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But I ask you, who wants to be flattered? Nobody. Flattery, you know, that, that cliche, I kind of think, nobody wants to be flattered, you know, I think. But yet, when it comes to, so I say that to say, there's a negative side to imitation where you just copy other people and, you know, you know try to steal their originality. But then on the other hand, God wants us to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It goes right into Abraham. He's our father of faith, right? And, and it says here, for, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. 
And, and so having patiently waited, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Through faith and patience, say it with me. Through faith and patience, I inherit the promises. In Abraham's case, it was to be a father of many nations. But there are, how many of you have things you're holding to from the word of God, things you've prayed about over your life, senses and impressions you've had since you were a young person, that you believe in God are going to come to pass? How many of you have done some Bible reading and you found some of those promises in, in the scriptures and you're holding to those promises? Promises like, you and your whole household shall be saved. That's a big one for me. When I first got saved, I, you know, I was the first Christian in my family, and then my brother got saved, and then my mom got saved, my dad got saved. Hallelujah. But actually, our grandmother was praying for us, so she was a believer. But in our nuclear family, we needed, uh, we needed that promise to be fulfilled. And uh, just even the point I made earlier in the offering about the young family who came to church. They had never been in an environment where people consistently prayed in faith, the prayer of faith, for other people's finances. And I thought, well, that, that seems foreign to me that you wouldn't pray that because it's an important increment in our lives, right? It's not the most important thing, but it, you, you have to have money to live and survive in, this, in your human existence. And so it's important to understand that God cares about that and we should pray the prayer of faith for people to get breakthrough. Hallelujah. But it's through faith and it's through patience. What's the opposite of patience? Impatience, right? Where you're just hasty and you try to do it now. And um, uh, fiction writer William Shakespeare, they think he wrote it in 1606. It came out in 1623, but they think it was first actually performed in 1606, the famous uh, Macbeth. And the story of Macbeth was a brave Scottish general named Macbeth receives a prophecy that one day he will become a king of Scotland. He is so consumed by ambition and spurred to action by his wife, Macbeth murders King Duncan and then takes Scot the Scottish throne by force for himself. And then this um, racked, he was, so, he was racked with guilt and paranoia, and so it just kept perpetuating death and civil war and all kinds of things. And, um, but on the other hand, we're to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Macbeth was a foolish man that took up a sword to force the hour. He, he took up a sword to force the hour. He he sensed a destiny and he took it into his own hands. Whereas the contrast of King David, David is anointed as king by Samuel uh, in a time when he's out shepherding the sheep. And David uh, is not like Macbeth. Uh, he, he actually, after he was, got the sense of his destiny, went back to tending sheep till the Lord would lift him up to the throne. And it's through faith and patience that Abraham, see, Abraham and Sarah actually didn't take the sword to, to, to uh, urge the hour, but actually, like Macbeth, by his wife's prompting, you gotta, wives, you got to be careful what you say to your husbands. you gotta, you got to speak the word of faith and be in faith and patience. Husbands to wives, too, it's, it, it, and, and so forth. But Sarah said, you know, 
why don't you just have this child this, through uh, Hagar, your servant, and we know that he birthed Ishmael, and to this day, Ishmael is mocking Isaac. Yeah. And the contrast of Ishmael and Isaac is something that we should all be aware of and be concerned about, because whereas Isaac was the son of the promise, Ishmael was 50% flesh, 50% uh, potential, but it was not. It, it was. It, it was not. It, it, he was. A, he's. A, it's a great nation, but not a covenant nation. Yeah. Uh, God loves everybody. Abraham loved uh, Ishmael, and he, as well, he loves. He loved Isaac. But Isaac was the one that was responsible to go forth into what he was called to do. And I want to say to you, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of yeah. God. And so we see a story like Abraham, or we see David. We hear a fiction story from William Shakespeare like Macbeth who took it into his own hands and we are admonished not to do it that way but we are admonished to through the course of our lives stand firm and hold fast to the confession of our faith and not take matters in our own hands to try to do things manipulatively and manufacture something uh, prematurely or artificially but also not to lag behind he said don't be sluggish he says uh I don't want you to be sluggish, but I want you to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So God's saying some things he does not want. He does not want us to take the sword to prompt the hour and do it in the flesh. He doesn't want us to be sluggish where we're procrastinating and lethargic and we just back off. He wants us to be somewhere in this zone called faith and patience. Now, faith in the Greek is persuasion, it's credence, it's reliance on Jesus, it's constancy in your profession, and uh, it's assurance, it's freedom from doubt. See, David was so secure in God, he didn't have to go try to manufacture it himself, he didn't try to push the timing. Uh, whereas Macbeth got paranoid and he got, you know, laden with, racked with guilt because he kept doing it wrong. And it's a terrible cautionary tale that we should avoid. All men need to learn patience while waiting for God to unfold his plan. All men need to read again the words so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Say this with me. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. And we are to be imitators of those. So we, we see David as the example. We see Abraham and Sarah as an example. And we are to look at that and examine that and draw from that as, as Jesus followers and Bible readers and um, really, really believe God for his purposes and his plans and his timing to come to pass. Since you're in Hebrews, let's go from ver chapter 6. Let's roll over to chapter 10 and we'll read verse 35 through 39. It says, similarly to what we just read in chapter 6, uh, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Um, I want to say something to you about discouragement. I don't think it's just a temptation. I don't think it's just a mental malady. Can I say this? I think it's sin. And if you see that discouragement is a sin, it'll help you to avoid it more. It'll help you to guard against it more. If you go, I'm just so discouraged. I, I wouldn't, when my kids were growing up, we, there was a, there was a, 
a word that we told them they were never allowed to use. There are a few words, but, you know, this one was one of the words that they're never allowed to say, I'm bored. We just would not tolerate that. You're not allowed to ever say you're bored. And um, because we were on a big adventure, man. We were saving up. We'd go to Schnucks with a Coke can and here a local grocery store, and if you, if you bought a, a Coke you, and you brought a Coke can, you could get a, a, a ticket to Six Flags. You'd get one ticket, and then you'd get the other one. So it's empty Coke can, and then you get two tickets. So we would do that so we could get our kids to go, and we'd pack them all up in there, and we'd put sunscreen on them, and we'd, they'd go to the water thing and get all wet, and they'd want to eat one of the turkey legs or whatever they did and all that. And they'd run all around, and and uh, get sunburned, and we'd be exhausted. We always went too far because we tried to squeeze out as... This is a dangerous thing about amusement parks. When, when you, you know, your economics are a little bit rough, you want to get as much as you can out of it. So you stay there for 14 hours. <laughs> I want to tell you, that's dumb. <laughs> you think, well, we just, we're here for two hours. If they need a nap... Get out while we are all laughing. No, we got to be here. We got to get every ride in. And then it's like, I told you to sit down, you know, right? You know, you're blowing a vein, you know, it's like that kind of thing. That's not fun. Let's get back to this verse. I'm, I'm, I'm sunburned and soaked. Eating, a, eating corn, and some guy's guessing my weight at Six Flags right now. I don't want to get out of that, but that, i got to unthink that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. What does it say in the King James in verse 36? You have need of endurance, it says on the New American Standard. Patience. King James, you have need of patience. You see... Patience is so important. It says you have need of endurance so that you, after you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. I think maybe if William Shakespeare was a member of St. Louis Family Church and he heard this message, maybe he would have told Macbeth a different approach. The Scottish king, though courageous, lapsed and tried to take the sword and haste his hour and make it come faster. Abraham jumped into a, a, a moment and created Ishmael uh, unnecessarily when G- God had Isaac planned all along for him. And I think it, this pertains to us as individuals. We see this in the scripture. There's a reason why the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, toward the Jew, told the Jewish believers that were dispersed, and now for that matter, the early church, and now for that matter, the end time church, you and me, that we, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. That ought to encourage you. Yeah, that ought to be an amen moment because you, you and I, we will inherit the promises if we don't grow weary in well-doing and if we keep pressing on. Come on. And when God told Joshua and Caleb in chapter 1 of Joshua, only be strong and very courageous four times in one chapter. Only be strong and very courageous. 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 That just blasted the timidity out of them. That blasted uh, just weak inferiority, weak cowering, nervousness, fear. 
you know, at certain points, the devil will try to undermine you and get you to throw in the towel and quit. But here's what it says here. For you have need of endurance, verse 35, cast not away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. <laughs> but my righteous one shall live by faith. See, that's a big end time eschatology message that Jesus is coming back shortly. The Hebrew dispersed born again Christians of this book, it's documented right here that they read this letter that was sent to them and they looked up and said, Jesus is coming back really soon. Now, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. It's been a couple thousand years. To heaven, it's like a couple of days. And uh, we're going to trust God. It's through faith and patience we're going to see him come. We're going to see the gathering up uh, of, the, of the church, and then we're going to see the second coming of Jesus in that order. But my righteous one shall live by faith. So what do we do? We live by faith. We walk by faith. Uh, my aim in every sermon I preach is to build, up, build your faith in Jesus. I may teach on healing, but it's to build your faith in Jesus. I may teach on uh, evangelism. We had a staff meeting. We were talking about evangelism on our staff meeting in Soul Wayne, practicing. My brother told me a story, told the staff a story. Um, Jana Moore told a story about how she was in the U-City loop walking back in 1973, and a friend from high school, a Jewish girl, said, hi, Jana, how you been? And she was in the party life and, uh, you know, living like the 70s, and, and the girl had apparently had become a Christian, and she had a gospel track and handed it to Jana. Jana took it, I put it in her purse or coat or whatever, and didn't read it for a couple of weeks, she, a couple of months. She, then she pulled it out, and she, as she was sharing with our staff, she, she burst into tears how God had it was just perfect timing. She read it. She called on Jesus and got wonderfully saved. And uh, my brother worked uh, in radiology at a hospital in Tulsa, and he had the responsibility to transfer patients and things like that. He saw on the chart that the patient, in fact, was a medical doctor and that he was in a very bad way. And, um, and he, my brother... Uh, you know, started to talk to him about, you know, man, I'm, I'm concerned. He, he put his hand on him and said, I'm concerned for you. And he, and he said, uh, uh, then he, he had one of these gospel tracks that smile Jesus loves you with a staple in it. And it's just a little bitty tiny booklet. You'd almost think you'd give it to a child at a, at a children's church, but, it, but it, it's, 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 it's powerful because it, it feels substantial. And, um, she, my brother handed it to the man, you know, went away and prayed for him. Uh, and then uh, a nurse uh, that was on the case said, you, you know, you talked to this doctor. Um, and she, he said, well, yeah, I did. And you gave him, you gave him uh, this booklet. Yeah, I did. Well, he, he, unfortunately, he died. But when I asked him, you know, I talked to him, right? Before, the nurse said, she was like the OR nurse. She said, uh, you know, I, I, I want to, I, I hope you're doing okay, you know, or something. And, and he said, uh, everything's going to be all right. I know, I know that things are covered. And he handed that, opened up that track and handed it. He apparently had read it, given his life to Jesus. 
So, I, so now that's awesome. Now I just talked to you about evangelism. I talked to you about tra- passing out tracts. But my aim in preaching that is so that you would have faith that God would use that sort of thing. The girl that gave Jana a tract also gave John Moore a wife and gave David and Mary a mom and gave this church an outstanding godly woman all these years later. And I ran into that lady when she was working at Dillard's in the ladies' department when I was complaining and my legs were going out from under me because my wife had to buy something and I was trying to find a chair. She said, yeah, we have these for men, for you complaining men. And I sat down in the chair. <sighs> and uh, she asked me, who I, you know, about, oh, I, I passed through St. Louis Family Church. St. Louis Family Church, yeah, you know Jana Moore? I said, yeah, I know Jana Moore. I, I gave her a tract. I'm the one that gave her a tract. I'm like, You're my hero. So I say all that to say, um, it's through faith and patience. Even, even the girl gave the tract to Janet. She didn't read it for two months. Now, thankfully, the guy got faster reading the tract because he was closer to eternity and he had to get after it. And um, don't underestimate the value of your faith and patience. Don't be like Macbeth where you try to take a sword to it and prompt the hour. Don't try to be like Abraham where you crawl into Hagar's tent and try to create an Ishmael. I've seen it in ministry over and over again. I've seen people push out of God's will over and over again and create that stuff, and it becomes very, very burdensome. And you do a lot of that, and you you dissipate your energies. On the other hand, David, a man after God's own heart, waited on the Lord for the timing of God, and God brought him to the point where he needed to be, right? Hallelujah. So, it says in verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We are not of those who shrink back to destruction. See, Macbeth lunged ahead with the sword, got hot-headed and just kept hacking his way through his uh, his, and, and I've been watching this lately. I've been watching people self-appoint into roles. You have too, and it's it's alarming. Um, here, here's what it says in Ecclesiastes seven eight: the end of a matter is better than the, its beginning. Patience is better than haughtiness of spirit. I've watched servant leadership take roles and provide leadership in our country. Then I've watched haughtiness and that Macbeth uh, opportunistic um, uh, power grab. And uh, that's why we should pray for those in authority over us. That God will put, when the righteous rule, the city rejoices. But when the wicked rule, there's turbulence. So let's believe God in this hour that, uh, you know, in our lives, number one, we get more calibrated to, I'm not going to lunge and I'm not going to lag. I'm not going to be impulsive and I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm going to be led. Look at somebody next to you and say, just be led. Now, if you're not accustomed to church, it's like, what did that mean? Lead paint, like lead L-E-A-D? No, 
LED, led by LED, led by the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll see great results. I wish Macbeth had heard my message because he could have had his whole life, his outcome could have been totally better. Uh, we need to show the capacity for endurance in this hour. And patience is not just idle uh, clock watching. Because uh, while we're waiting, like David, while he was waiting, he was serving. He was under his father, Jesse, and he was tending to the sheep. And he would do whatever his dad asked him to do. His dad said, go to the battlefield and see how your brothers are doing. Take some food to them. And he did. He cooperated with his father. And while he was just doing some, what seemed to be a menial, in-between gopher kind of thing, God set it up. He had a confrontation with Goliath, which is what he's probably most famous for. And he, a 17-year-old boy slew a giant, a nine-foot giant. But it was not by, I'm going to become magnificent, and I'm developing an international scope of prestige, and I'm going to start by going and killing a giant. No, what started him was cooperation and faith and patience and obedience and the willingness to do a menial task. This is where the power lies in the church. This is the power zone that Jesus is showing us. It's like whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Be zealous for good works. Do your work heartily unto the Lord. And, um, and, and it's through faith and patience. You know, I love Dick Mills. He, he, he was so dear. He spoke so many key things over our church. Very prophetic, dynamic man. And he, he talked about, in Philippians 3.13, about this faith and patience thing. Reaching forward to the things which are ahead. He talked about craning the neck, scanning the horizon, shading the eyes with the hand in order to see at a distance. Uh, these are all expressed by the phrase, reaching forward. So as I'm exhorting you through faith and patience to inherit the promises, I am not saying to shrink back or lag behind. In fact, he said, don't be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We should be burning white hot. We should have incentive. We should have ambition, but not flagrantly so where it's all about, I want to be famous narcissistically in some sort of self-appointment. Uh, or taking the sword to prompt the hour. God wants us to do it not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Everybody say faith and patience. It's interesting what's being taught right now. I hope you're getting it. This will get down, seep down into your soul. This will renew your mind. This will augment your steps and help you uh, to secure the prize. Um, Paul is telling the Philippian church in Philippians 3.13, to reach forward to what lies ahead. He's telling him to forget the past and start looking ahead. He knew what he was talking about since he had earlier in his life persecuted the church and consented to the stoning of Stephen. The first encounter we had with Paul, it was grim. He was, he was morbid. He was, he was harsh. Paul had to learn to put such negative memories behind him and get on with life. If anybody could have a guilt complex, this guy could, because he was a persecutor of the church. Instead of allowing the past to become an unbearable burden to him and to weigh him down forever, Paul simply dropped it to the ground and used it as a stepping stone for a good future. Amen. Forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. It's a good exercise for all of us to do. That's why it says, 
not to be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And I'll just throw this little caveat in. What did Abraham do? He believed that God could raise the dead and he called into being that which did not exist. Do you know what Abraham did? Abraham adopted that and he would walk around saying, hey, I'm Abraham, the father of many nations. Well before Sarah ever conceived and way after the appropriate childbearing years. He walked around believing God and speaking God's word. And I want to encourage you guys to call into being that which does not exist. And I know I am not saying mind over matter. I'm not saying hocus pocus. I'm not saying some sort of mind science. I'm not saying some magic wand. There's no magic wand in this. It's not a gimmick. It's not a trick. It's biblical, the faith of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He calls into being that which does not exist. He makes order out of chaos. He makes the crooked path straight. He can make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. He took little shepherd boy David and made him the champion who killed Goliath and the king, that it was durable throughout his life, and he served the purposes of God in his own generation, and then he, he was done, and we're talking about him to this day. Jesus sits in the throne of David, and it's amazing. That gives us all hope. I want Jesus to sit in the throne of my life, don't you? And I want the God stuff to transpire, don't you? And I don't want to be like Macbeth and have to just hack and slash to try to make things happen and do it in the flesh. I want to, I want to, and I also don't want to just mouth breathe and just sit there like a lump on a log and not ever do anything, right? I want to get this thing done in the name of Jesus. And God is, he is activating, he's drawing, he's equipping, he's training, he is developing you, he's preparing you for increase, He's preparing you. He said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That's why the, the young Jewish girl that got saved became a fisher of men and ran into her friend from high school, Jana, told her about Jesus, the rest is history. My brother, while he's working, you know, found it. Here's a man close to eternity in his Christian faith. He just couldn't suppress it. Let the man know about Jesus. My friend Di Stacy, we met in Jerusalem with her family and, uh, Jeff Citron and I baptized her by the Sea of Galilee. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit there, she and her sister. And then uh, she uh, went to Bible school. She went, she's now pastoring a church in Liverpool. She was a lounge singer in a popular hotel in Liverpool. And her picture uh, was in a big, big poster in what, what they call the lift, which is, we call it an elevator. Well, Paul McCartney was just visiting his hometown and was doing a concert or something, and was with his, you know, his people in the, uh, in the bar area. And, and my, my friend Di Stacy had that same track that my brother had, the Smile Jesus Loves You track. And she, she heard Paul McCartney was there, so she was singing. She was in her sessions. and she, So she walked in there, and Paul had been in the elevator and saw the picture. So when he saw her, you know, in all the layers of protection, he went, Hey, there you, hey come here. You know, and because... And Hey, you, you sing here, you know, and, he, and so she, he invites her to sit down, and uh, with that, Di begins to share the gospel with Paul McCartney, gives him a tract. Next day, he flies to Japan, gets arrested for weed, and gets put in jail, and, he, and he's, he has said that was traumatic for him. That they made him stay in jail, um, you know, Sir Paul, you know, and um, for a, a marijuana charge. 
But I thought, I, I hope they let him have some reading materials. <laughs> they might have taken away his shoelaces or something and put a weird, you know, uh, striped suit on him. But hopefully he was able to just sit, sit there in the little in the corner and read that track. I know a girl, I know a guy who got to talk to a girl who got to talk to Paul McCartney about Jesus. Now, that may not have meant anything to you, but every soul matters. And, 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 and I feel the Holy Spirit right now um, tuning us, dialing us into faith and patience. Our patience has been really tested lately. That people have become very impatient. I've been watching drive, driving on the highway. A lot more tailgating. A lot more aggressive driving. A lot more of this. A lot more of these uh, single-digit communication uh, patterns from the from the read the read read between the lines gestures. Only David understood that. I love you, David. That's because he needs to get his mind renewed a little more. As Christians, we have so much to look forward to, don't we? We, have, we can look forward to the salvation of our families, to the evangelization of the world, to the reviving of our churches, and most of all, that blessed hope, the return of Jesus to the, the bridegroom, to his bride, the church. Let's all stand up. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, my time is done. I could have talked to you about Job and the prophets and how you look at the outcome of their life, but I'm not going to do it as tempting as it is. You learned about the contrast between Macbeth and David. Macbeth was impulsive. David trusted God in the rhythm of timing and waited on the Lord. Right? Let's lift up our hands toward heaven. Say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Speak through me. Deploy me. I'm a leader in my sphere. I have a calling to carry the light, to walk this thing out as sincere and authentic as possible. Jesus is Lord of my life. I submit to him. He's washed me white as snow. He's cleansed me of all unrighteousness. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's given me his word. He has precious and magnificent promises. I stand on those promises. And I say in Jesus' name, they shall come to pass in my life, in my time. Help me with patience. Help me not to do things impulsively. I'm being obedient. I, I'm not overdoing it. I'm not overcommitting. And I'm not undercommitting. I'm going to just be led by the Holy Spirit.